What does the perfect marriage preparation look like? Is it a matter of finding the right program or is there a way that we can think differently about the formation of engaged couples? In today's episode, we talk about the church's call for a marriage catechumenate. What does that mean? And why is the church calling us to consider how we do marriage preparation? We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as his disciples. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Um, We're really excited Uh, Because one, we're talking about some of our, just one of our favorite topics, marriage. Uh, But (laughs) also, we have a special guest on the podcast. This is Baby's First Podcast. Um, So (laughs) we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So if you're not watching on YouTube and you hear a little... Coos uh, and stuff. It is. It's uh, Mr. Andre. Yes, my assistant director. So we'll see how this goes. Well. We have been talking a lot about the year of baptism and uh, last episode going into like what does baptism formation look like and all of that. And uh, it was reminding me a lot of marriage formation uh, because that's just my wheelhouse. (laughs) That's what I do. Um, And if you're not aware, the church universal has been talking about a marriage catechumenate. And there was a document that came out uh, last summer called the Catechumenal Pathways for Married Life, Pastoral Guidelines for Local Churches. And the big news that everyone was hearing with that was that, oh, the church is asking for longer marriage formation. But once it was translated into English and people had some time to unpack it, what we realized, like, there's some really good stuff in there. And it goes along with how the marriage formation um, is being designed for our diocese. So we thought we'd just kind of unpack that, like, what do we mean by catechumenal pathways? What does that look like in real life? Um, and then kind of go from there. Yeah. No, I was actually really excited to do this because this is not my wheelhouse. I mean, I am married, but we didn't have any really formal formation. And um, I've been working with you, and we've mentored some couples along the way. But even after reading this, I was like, I feel like every time I read more of the things that you put in front of me, I'm learning a little bit more about, ideally, this is what we could do to really have good marriages so that people understand um, the significance of what having a holy marriage means for the church, for themselves, for their families. And so First, I get excited listening to you and your expertise, but also just to hash this out and and bring the beauty of this to other people because it's a lot. Like when I first sat down to read this, I was like, whoa, Um, it's a a lot lot. to take in. So um, I'm happy to sort of walk through this um, with you. And yeah, and I got the opportunity to participate in a marriage catechumenate summit um, at the end of June, right before I, I came back from leave. And it was an opportunity for um, some marriage and family life leaders from North America to just sit down. And we basically sat down with the document and were just trying to understand 
how do we put this into practice? Because it is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we can can start with just kind of mapping out like what is the catechumenate? And when we talk about catechumenates, we're talking about formation, right? Okay. And a and a pathway. And I do like that the document itself is called catechumenate catechumenal pathways for married life, and not catechumenal pathways to married life. Like there is no final destination yeah. here. I mean, final destination being heaven. But we are walking with people on a journey through married life. And the major theme, and I'll repeat this throughout this episode probably, um, the main thing that I see in this document is the church being intentional about seeing the couples that are coming forward for formation and accompanying them in whatever way that they need based on the stage of formation that they're in. Um, can, I'm sorry. Can yeah, I pause for a second? Because yeah. maybe because this was something that when I was when I was first introduced to this concept, and maybe we have listeners who are thinking the same thing. Like, is the would you say like this um, catechumenate for married life? Some people think, well, is that something significantly different from marriage right. preparation in the church? Mm-hmm. Like, are we talking about two different things, or yeah. is it taking what has been and refining it just so people can have yeah, an idea if it's something? Question. Like, can I choose marriage formation or can uh, I cu- choose? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a great question. So I think in the document Familiaris Consortio, Pope John Paul II, he laid out for us really well that there should be formation for couples and that it really happens. We have remote formation, which is as children. And I mean, really right outside the womb, we're, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're in marriage formation. Um, and that there should be the immediate and proximate formation. So you should be formed in vocation discernment as a young adult and then going through that formal formation, whether that's a retreat or something as an engaged couple. I think what the catechumenal pathways for married life is doing is that it is creating kind of a culture shift or a Mm -hmm. mind shift when it comes to looking at how we prepare couples for marriage. In our diocese, um, when Bishop founded the Institute, uh, the St. Philip Institute in 2017, He was very intentional about saying, okay, we're calling this marriage formation. It's no longer marriage prep because marriage prep indicates that we are getting you to to the altar and then we're hands off. But what the catechumenal pathways I think is doing is making us think about formation as really being intentional long before a couple has, the the bride has a ring on her finger uh, Mm -hmm. for engagement. Um, It's creating a pathway so that again we can see an individual couple and say okay you have been dating for several years and here are some obstacles that you have or like you're very familiar with the gospel you know who jesus is or hey you're desiring the sacrament but you may not have a relationship with christ and we can talk a little bit more about you know how do we determine those things Um, But it's just like having that intentionality. So it's not much different, I would say, than what we have been doing, but it's getting away from this idea of, well, all we have to do is put a couple on a conveyor belt and send them through the check boxes for marriage, but to say, okay, there's something that we need to do with them before they're even engaged. There's something that we need to do with them when they're engaged and to accompany them and form them. And then, and probably most especially, after the wedding, we have to be very intentional with what that follow-up formation looks like. Because I think you and I would probably agree that when we got married, there were things we did not know. Many, (laughs) many many things. Things Things before kids um, and just adjusting to married life. Because married life is hard and it's challenging and it's also very beautiful um, and that we benefit from this, um, the art of accompaniment. So, yeah. Yeah. 
No, I love hearing you talk about this stuff. And it's such a, it's such a large task mm-hmm. that is before every diocese, every pastor, every director of family life to, um, because what, in essence, what you're trying to do and tell me, please tell me if I'm wrong, it, is to have a pathway that fits couples yeah, and couples yeah. coming from different varying backgrounds, mm-hmm. understanding, sometimes different mm-hmm. faiths, um, and um, all the complexities that come with what individuals bring when they want to unite themselves together in yeah. marriage and all that that entails. So, um, so as we have this sort of big idea of what we want to accomplish, what kind of plan does it actually lay out? Because it doesn't give you a specific program you have right. to follow. Like so follow this book yeah. So then, can you yeah. help maybe help us understand? Yeah. So the the document like. breaks it into phases and stages, and um, I really like how it it is offering transitions between each thing. So I think typically when we think of marriage prep, we have engagement and then we have a wedding mm-hmm. and then you're married and that's it and you got to figure it out from there but i think what the what this document is doing is breaking it into stages um and i think we'll link to the in the show notes to this um powerpoint presentation that we found from smart smart loving um because it has just a really good map of, of what this looks like so the first stage would be proximate preparation, and that would be about a year. And I think this is where there's kind of a, a shift in how we approach marriage formation. Like we said, typically we have an engagement and then we go to the class and then you get married. But what this is asking for is in that proximate preparation that a couple is doing things that guides their discernment that they're in formation to discern the vocation of marriage to make sure that they understand, okay, if we're moving towards the sacrament, do we understand what that means? But also, do we have a relationship with Christ? And so what the document does is it breaks open, like here are some opportunities that you have with couples that are in that phase. Like maybe they're not quite engaged, or they know that that's a destination, but they can really benefit from the formation of discernment and I think really just building a foundation in their relationship with Christ and with the community as well. So this is where, you know, couples being able to hear presentations from couples who were recently engaged or especially from married couples, like, mm-hmm. you know, have you had this conversation or that conversation? But when it comes to like the uh, the spiritual formation, do they understand the charisma? Have they heard the story of salvation? Do they know that God loves them? Things like that. There's a there's an opportunity there. And then the transition point would be the rite of betrothal, which I know is something that St. Joseph the Worker Yeah, does, the right? first time I ever saw that was a few years ago when um, we were invited to um, a betrothal rite. And I thought, oh, maybe this was something that... <laughs> they were able to pull out from, you know, the ancient church. But it's been something, I guess, that people at, at my church have been doing for some time. And mm-hmm. I thought it was beautiful, a beautiful rite. So it was really, um, I don't know, I thought it was great to see it mentioned in yeah. here. Yeah, because yeah, basically it's the couple saying, you know, we have very intentionally discerned mm-hmm. that we are moving towards marriage. And it's not, you know, like a pre-wedding or anything. And we have to be really clear <laughs> with that language. Yeah. But that how beautiful it is for the the parish to even witness 
a right of betrothal because now the parish knows one to pray for this couple and it has now become the task of the community to accompany them throughout their formation and I think that is I think that's beautiful and so we're receiving them into um, the parish life the community and um, just again just not taking for granted this idea of discerning the Mm -hmm. sacrament and that marriage is not something that we just sort of fall into um, but that there's an intentionality behind it. Um, so after the, the first stage of, of um, the, this proximate preparation and we um, have the rite of betrothal, we go into the second stage, which would really be like the final prep. And this is where a lot of our dioceses and parishes put a lot of emphasis is in like, okay, now we have to form you for the sacrament. So that can look like a it looks different in every diocese, of course. In our diocese, what we're doing is marriage formation with mentor couples. So using the Witness to Love program, sending couples to a three-to-get-married retreat where they have an opportunity to learn more about the sacramentality of marriage um, and to really put Christ as the foundation. Um, For some couples, that's the first time that they've ever prayed together. Mm -hmm. So just it's like building the basics, but but there are couples that need that. They need the basics, um, because they're saying yes to something so profound. Um, maybe it's going to an NFP class, all of these different things as far as like being, um, being formed. The document itself says that you should do a retreat like two days before your <laughs> wedding. And I think all of the folks that were at the marriage catechumen at summit were like, that is not, there's no <laughs> way, there's no way you're getting a bride to go to a retreat two days before her wedding. <laughs> But this idea of, um, because the other thing that they propose is like a prayer service or some kind of prayer vigil Mm -hmm. where you're really asking the Holy Spirit to come (laughs) and be with this couple. Um, so, and that could look like a, a lot of different things, like, you know, having adoration before yeah. a rehearsal. Um, I know some people do that. They'll offer um, a holy hour and opportunities for reconciliation. That's really beautiful. Uh, but there's some... There's some marking of the moment, like yeah. we are about to do something. It's a really big deal. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anything you wanted to add for that that or that you noticed in the the second stage? So one of the things that um, and tell me if I'm not in the right stage because no, I'm still trying to get it me all too. together. <laughs> but one of the things that you mentioned, and I think that this was um, not shocking to me, but as I'm reading the document, I'm like, oh, well, this seems to make more sense. But um, when when couples are in serious discernment, moving towards marriage, mm-hmm. that you do not have to start this process when you are engaged. Yes. And I think when you're talking yeah. about that change of mindset, mm-hmm. um, that this is one of the things that, um, because there are maybe some people who have done, like their parents have done the remote preparation mm-hmm. a little bit, I don't want to say better, but just mm-hmm. with this, with the knowledge that they had, like really being intentional, intentional about preparing their children for their future vocation. Yes. And I think yes. sometimes that's not on everyone's radar because right. I mean we're dealing with a lot of stuff in life, and sometimes it's just survival of the moment. Right. Um, and so when when people come to the idea of of, of dating for a more serious mm. purpose, mm-hmm. that they could tell me if I'm wrong, but it could potentially enter into this process at that point. That would, I think that that would be ideal. And I know that a lot of our parishes and even dioceses aren't really set up to do that. But in my, in my ideal 
world, when it comes to marriage formation, we would have something set aside very that's very intentional for dating couples where it's like, okay, you're not engaged, but you need help having certain types of conversations mm -hmm. before you take the next step to engagement. Um, whether it's like figuring out your communication styles, yeah. your family of origin, that's a huge one. Um, finances, what you gonna do about money? Like these are all yeah. conversations that you should really be having long before, um, long before the wedding day for sure, but you would benefit from learning more about yourself and your your intended spouse possibly um, by but yeah by, by focusing on those things and I just I I'm like a going on repeat here <laughs> but I just see there's so much benefit to the church like slowing down and being very intentional about who is this couple in front of me mm -hmm. are they a dating couple that's like very serious but not really sure when the best time to enter into married life would be. Is this an engaged couple that's been away from the church for several years? Um, because their formation should look different than the couple who is actively participating in their parish. And we don't say, you know, well, that couple is well-formed, so they don't need formation. That's, I hate it when people do that. It's like, you know, maybe they don't need the same type of formation, but what is something else that they could benefit from? Because no matter how well-formed you are as a Catholic or how well-formed you are as far as the sacrament of marriage intellectually, you've never been married before. Right. You've never experienced that. And uh, yeah, I could get off my soapbox for a second. <laughs> no, I like when you get on your soapbox. <laughs> but that, that, just that whole idea of let's see who is sitting in front of us and create pathways that make sense for that couple. And it's gonna take the church a minute mm -hmm. to figure out, I mean, we with staff and resources and all of that, but how wonderful it would be if the church could slow down and just see each couple and say, you know, it's not that we're, you know, gonna fast track one couple um, or, you know, hold one couple hostage. Like that's not what's happening here. Um, we're not making unnecessary delays, but the church is saying, okay, you are asking or discerning the sacrament of marriage. You're asking that of the church. Do you know what you're going to be saying yes to? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, we want to, to walk with you in that. You don't have a relationship with Christ, but you want to get married in the church? All right, beautiful. We'll work with that. Right. But we need to slow down and make sure that we are, are walking through this process with you in a way that makes sense and um, just really builds that firm foundation. Yeah, can I piggyback over something, mm -hmm. off of something that you said? Mm -hmm. I also too, th when you're talking about the church slowing down, which I totally agree, but I also think too, couples need to slow down. Yes. Um, yeah. I think sometimes when we are thinking about, I mean, when you get that puppy love stage and you <laughs> find the one, right. um, you're like, I wanna get to the altar as quickly as right. possible. And so right. we have become, I think, more of a people who are like, show me what I need to do in order mm -hmm. to, to get married in the church. Yeah, And so it does become like a checklist, but for couples to also take a step back and trust in your mother church. Yes. Um, yes. And that takes a large amount of humility, mm -hmm. of prudence, of being able to step back and say, okay, I know what I want is to hurry this process along. Yeah. Like I just yeah. wanna be married, I think I I'm ready. I love this I love them so um, much. And, but also like, okay, but I need to have the humility to say like, okay, 
let me be open? Is God wanting to reveal something to me in these extra months that the church has asked me to be open to formation yes. to a conversion which yeah. is something we're all called to right. all a the time doesn't matter yeah. if we have a phd in theology <laughs> or we stopped going to ccd like after we received the sacraments mm-hmm. that whatever stage we're in we're constantly called to conversion and exactly. so like as i'm reading this um because i'm not like in the thick of it like you are um and like parish workers mm-hmm. are of trying to really accommodate couples Um, But as I'm reading this as a married couple thinking if, okay, if I were to go back and go through something like this, I even asked myself, would I have the humility and the openness to slow down, Mm -hmm. to allow God to speak more fully and more deeply in this whole formation um, process uh, so that I can, on my wedding day, give my spouse the best version of myself. Like that's the greatest gift that we can offer yeah. the person that we're going to spend the rest of our lives with is I come before you and I've worked through the things. I have been open. Mm-hmm. I've been honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even in that openness and honesty, we realize, hey, actually, I think I might need a few more months because this has opened up parts of me that I wasn't even aware of. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to get married. It just means that you realize the importance of relationship. And it mentions this somewhere in the document, but um, knowing those things about ourselves where we might have been like emotionally wounded Mm. and Mm. knowing our own psychology um, and our own like relationship history. um, And what is it that I'm bringing into a marriage? Uh, Do I have an emotional maturity, a spiritual maturity? Um, and that maturation can happen regardless of whatever, I'd say stage or level we are in, in our Mm -hmm. spiritual life, or even in our just knowledge of what the church teaches, Mm -hmm. but for couples to just be open to that and to trust, to trust that, to trust the church. And I know that when this document came out, um, one of the immediate criticisms was, oh, we're just making formation longer and one thing that I hear a lot, and we heard this when in our diocese, uh, Bishop extended the formation time from six months to nine to 12 months. I had a few people tell me like, ah, uh, you know, we're couples are going to have a hard time with chastity if we make marriage formation longer. And that to that, I would say, you know, what an opportunity to grow in virtue, one. And two, like it's an it's an opportunity to I mean that the virtue development is huge, and um, what an opportunity to to grow in things like chastity and self control, um, because it's not like those things go away right. in married life. Um, that there will be times of abstinence in marriage. Surprise! Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's necessary. Yeah. Um, and we think about, you know, we have these amazing young men who are discerning the priesthood. You know, there's a reason why we don't just ordain them because they grew up in good Catholic families or mm. they were really active in their parishes. They they deserve to go through the formation because we're talking about something that um, that is going to impact their souls for, the, for eternity. Mm-hmm. And we have a responsibility to make sure that 
people understand what they're saying yes to. And I, and I know, I know that, you know, there's the couples that are like, well, you know, we were focused missionaries and we're super active in our parish. And again, like your formation should just look different. If, mm-hmm. if in an ideal world, the church would be equipped to be able to offer something where you are still receiving a deepening conversion, mm-hmm. because if we step into married life thinking like, oh, I already know all this stuff. And I mean, I probably did that, that in 2013 when we went to an engaged encounter. I was probably a like, oh, like I, I do this for my job. I already know all this stuff. But there is there is something so um it's, I mean, it's shocking <laughs> in married life, especially once children arrive mm-hmm. or when they don't arrive and you're wanting them. Like th- these are the types of things that impact, you know, our, our lived experience of, of married life and how beautiful it would be if the church was there to, to continue walking with us. Um, and just briefly going back to the, the phases and stages um, one of the final, or when we look at like the final pieces, so you have the um, you have the wedding, um, but then in this catechumenal pathway, the accompaniment of newlywed couples for two to three years. There's a really big emphasis on that that you have gotten married, but the church isn't done with you <laughs> yet. Your formation isn't over, and honestly, I would argue that your formation should continue till death, right? Absolutely. Because there's, there's always something more. Um, Cause I know like we're about to hit 10 years in October and we're different than we were mm-hmm. 10 years ago. We've, we've had five children. <laughs> we've, we've had a major move, um, career changes. Um, and I just think like, oh, how wonderful would it have been, you know, right after married life. And I think we kind of, we kind of instinctually just sought this out. We had couples in our parish that we just wanted to hang out with mm-hmm. after being um, a newlywed. So again, just creating these opportunities for couples to to plug into the community, to plug in um, to parish life, um, and to receive formation, not necessarily in the sense of like, you have to go to a weekly class for three years after you get married. It's more in the the life of the parish. Like, what are these things that are happening in parish life that serve the family, that serve married couples, um, that hopefully strengthen that? So I could yeah. continue, but I won't. No, I think it's great. <laughs> um, two things that I, I wanted to bring up. I hope I can remember both of them. Um, one was that when you were talking about... Um, because this is something I thought was beautiful, but again, I don't know how realistic this is, but a retreat like Mm -hmm. two days before the wedding. And Mm -hmm. I know we were chatting right Mm -hmm. before we got here. I do think the idea of having like a step back from Mm. all of the business. And I I kind of think about this like when, uh, because we've talked a lot about how Advent is really busy for moms and it'd be really nice to enter into um, even a, a small part of that season to just slow down. Exactly. And so I, I, for some reason that came to my mind when I thought about this, you know, mm-hmm. a few days before the wedding, like there's, mm-hmm. it's going to be busy, busy, busy. There's going to be things right. you're going to be stressed. Yes. There might be yes. more bickering among family members, bridesmaids, <laughs> in-laws, family or whatever. Right. Um, or something happens with the venue or someone gets sick and it can just be so stressful. And so just saying, I'm just going to take something, it, even if it's not a retreat, but some way to to hone in spiritually and focus just on Jesus. Like, okay, Lord, whatever's going to happen is going to mm-hmm. happen. What are you going to teach me in these days yeah. leading up before I, before, and I do, um, 
I'm not a details person, so I have no idea how that could actually look. Right. But even if it was just like a little um, piece of paper, like two days before the wedding, like here's a prayer you can say, here's some questions you can journal about, um, here is uh, a scripture mm-hmm. reading, just something that if there's not time for a physical like one-on-one, like with your priest or your mentor couple, just something that I can take a step back and just yeah. be present with Christ. So I thought the idea was beautiful. Yeah. The idea is really beautiful, yeah. but I'm like, no, but I, don't I think know. that I think that there's easy ways for us to do that. And again, like when we were looking at this document as directors or just people who are in marriage ministry, it's a lot. And I know we're we're only like scratching the surface <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> comes to the document. I'll link to it in the show notes. But but for parishes to do very practical things like what mm-hmm. you said, you know, can we can the parish offer um adoration for that couple before their rehearsal can the can the pastor sit down and just pray with them yeah just you know them or them and their mentor couple um to slow down because you're right that that the wedding day goes by so fast so fast so so fast and to be able to like to kind of shake yourself for a second and say (laughs) this is what we're saying yes to and then for that couple to have a pathway they you know they get married they go on their honeymoon and then they're not forgotten because I think that that's what happens sometimes and it's and it's it's not because the church is being mean or lazy it's that you know it's just life life is very busy and so when we talk about you know what ongoing marriage formation can look like this is why it's so important for the laity to be involved with these things so like at the end of august we're having the evangelizing spouses retreat and everyone's invited we'll put more information in the show notes but that will be an opportunity for couples to think about you know their own marriage and to see how is god working in our marriage right now and to think about well, what are the gifts that god has given us that we can offer to our parish community and it's not so that we can like trick you into being in charge of a ministry, <laughs> right? But it's to say like, what has God given your family? Um, because what you're called to is to be missionary disciples and He's mm-hmm. God is doing that through your family. And so when I see this document, Catechumenal Pathways for Married Life, it's the church recognizing that we have to do something different. We yeah. can't just expect couples to kind of figure it out on, on their own. But how beautiful it would be if parish life was such that, you know, the couple gets married and then they're immediately brought in to a small group community. They're connected to other people. And it's not like, you know, just figure it out, find some nice people or wait until your kids are in CCD. But that we're, you know, connecting relationships like that. There's a lot of of, uh, beauty and gifts that can come from doing that but we have to be intentional mm-hmm. with it we have to be intentional and it doesn't have to be complicated it can be as simple as couples getting together and praying together mm-hmm. on a weekly or monthly basis it can be engaged couples hanging out um, after their retreat and um, connecting with mentor couples and all like there's very simple ways it can be having prayer cards for engaged couples before their wedding it's these small things where the church is saying i see you i see you in your state of life and we are going to walk with you in whatever you need 
So, yeah. No, I think it's great. And this is one of the reasons, uh, I know we say this a lot in our podcast, but we love being Catholic. I love being Catholic. Is this this community and the idea that our prayers matter, our involvement matters, that we are a family of faith. And um, I'm going to brag on my church community for a little bit. Uh, You see when families come together Mm -hmm. and the impact it makes. And um, my children love to go to church. Um, and they get to see their family, yes. their community after. And yep. just seeing that, and I just, really short story, when I had posted the anniversary of my daughter's adoption day, mm. um, a young lady who we were their mentor couple mm-hmm. when they were going to get married, um, she just posted this response. And she said, thank you so much for saying yes to that so that Mary could bless our community. Mm. And it just had me oh, in tears. Uh. Like just thinking about, like we don't, I don't think us as married people I don't think we realize not only the gift that we can be mm-hmm. to our parish, mm-hmm. um, but when we really try to live out God's will, people will be blessed yes. by yes. us saying yes to yes. God. Yes. And um, and then just knowing that someone else recognized that was just really heartwarming. And mm-hmm. so the idea of like our... Um, our parish, like getting involved in that. So I can't wait for your evangelizing mm. spouses retreat. I can't wait to see what God does with all of this yeah. momentum that hopefully yeah. we're trying to pour into our diocese, into our parishes, into yes. married couples, because uh, we are gift. We are gift to each other. Yes. Um, so yes. I'm excited. Um, and I know we covered a lot of things, and maybe <laughs> right? some people are still like, like I don't even know. It? I don't even know what this document right? is talking about. <laughs> but um, we we are going to have a second conversation with Father oh. Justin Braun. He's been on the podcast before. He has probably celebrated more weddings than many of our priests <laughs> in the diocese, um, and he just has a real heart for married married couples and family life. And what we want to do is just talk with him about, well, what does this look like Mm -hmm. in a parish and what are the consequences of it? Because I do think that there are consequences if a parish or a diocese chooses not to take this seriously Mm -hmm. and just says like, oh, we're just kind of going to do whatever. If they get married, we'll send them to a class and then they'll be ready to get married. There's consequences if we go that route where we don't really care. And there's also really beautiful things, fruit that will come from the church, again, slowing down and accompanying couples because we're already seeing it in our diocese, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And I know some people are like, well, where's the data? And where, like, how do you know that what you're doing is working? And a lot of it is anecdotal. But we have so many stories of couples who have worked with mentor couples. We had a, a couple um, at the cathedral that um, experienced a miscarriage, but they knew exactly who to go to, their mentor and and another woman, um, because they knew that they had experienced miscarriage too. And there's couples who are coming to mass who hadn't been coming to mass before uh, before engagement. And so it's little things like that where it's like, oh, well, there's that couple over there and there's that couple over there, but these, this is who makes up the church. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, what a beautiful opportunity we have. So I'm excited to, to have that conversation with Father Braun. Yeah. We actually have several episodes planned for- Yes, we do. And I'm <laughs> super excited about that. We're like super organized. <laughs> so we're really looking forward to this fall. Just We're starting here with marriage and and moving into vocation and what that looks like in, in parish life and looking at like really messy situations, yeah. um, the hard conversations, um, how can we be prepared for that um, as parents, as spouses, um, but good things are ahead. So. Yeah. And 
Look, he did so good. He did, he did great. so good. Baby's still first sleeping. podcast. Success. <laughs> Success. So, Mickey, will you close us with prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your Son. We thank you for our diocese and for the people here and for all the people of the church. And we ask that you give us the grace to be open to your desire for us when it comes to marriage and marriage formation. May all who are married be strengthened by your grace. May all who are seeking that vocation be open to your will and the growth that comes with it. And we just ask all of this through the intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.